0: Today, as part of our podcast series, which is powered by Upside Global, we have the honor to interview Dr. Ron Dick, Associate Professor of Sports Marketing at Duquesne University in the School of Business. So, Ron, some of you may know, also worked for 20 years in sports, including 15 years in the NBA with the Sixers and the Nets, and then four years in the NCAA. So, Ron, nice to see you again on the show. Great to be here with you, Julian. Great. So, you know, Ron, what I wanted to uh, talk to you about today was uh, we talk about the state of COVID-19. Now, you know, as teams in college and the NFL, for example, are going back to play. And then I would like to discuss the 1.3 billion euros debt announced by Barcelona, football club. Then I'll talk about Messi. We got traded to Paris Saint-Germain and it happened to be part of it is going to get paid in token, which is interesting. And then we'll talk about the Mpape saga. And then we'll talk about uh, gambling, right? Then in sports, that many believe is a big revenue generator for the teams. So how does it sound?
1: That sounds great, Julian. I'm, I'm looking forward to
0: this. Great. So, you know, um, obviously a lot, lots of students, right, are going back to college now. So do you think that we're better prepared than last year in regards to COVID? And do you think that college teams are also better prepared as well compared to last year?
1: yeah we're we're so much better than we were a year ago uh, i i i haven't been in a classroom in almost a year and a half. It was March twentieth of twenty twenty when they told us uh that we're going to uh, we're no longer meeting face to face and we were going to go uh through blackboard and online to finish up the rest of the semester that's all we did in the summer of twenty twenty was online and then in twenty twenty one that school year was 100% online. And then I just taught three courses this summer online. So to actually be in a classroom face-to-face with students, many of which are student athletes, it, it's it's really invigorating and uh, it feels so normal compared to what was going on before. And, uh, and I think we have uh, the vaccination to thank for that.
0: And, and do you think we'll go from like being uh, a pandemic to being uh, endemic? So every year we got to take our shots i
1: i I think that that might be the new norm yeah absolutely that that it's uh we might need the booster to make sure that we try to kill this thing as as it morphs into whatever it's going to do and whatever variation it is and i'll defer to the medical experts uh to uh figure that out for us
0: Mm -hmm. yeah uh you know one of the other big topic was obviously the leo messi that many believe is the the best soccer player in the world, Mm -hmm. Uh, he got traded from Barcelona to Paris Mm Saint-Germain. A big reason was because Barcelona Football Club had a 1.3 billion euro Mm -hmm. debt, which is massive, right? right? Yes. So do you think that we'll see other clubs with large amount of debts in that same situation? Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: it's real simple. We have to talk to the people that are the accountants and we call them here in the United States, the controllers, That safeguard the assets and the revenue streams you have in the European, uh, soccer, I got to believe are very similar to what we have in the four major sports and they are television, radio, uh, signage, sponsorships, concession, parking, uh, the hats, the shirts, uh, the, the per capita stuff that we call here, like in the NBA, we call it the NBA properties that people buy that stuff at the games. They buy it online. All those revenue streams are very similar for European hockey, uh, European uh, soccer as it is here in the major sports. So obviously someone has mismanaged the, the finances and the costs are all the same. If we look at a simple balance sheet, it would be player salaries, rental of the building, If you rent it, if you operate and own the building, which is just like owning a house, you still have to uh, air condition it, uh, heat it. You have to clean it. You have to secure it. That's your responsibility. You have traveling costs, which are very high. And you also have front office costs like for the coaches and things. So, I mean, they're all the same. Somebody mismanaged the money, obviously. uh, And if they build a brand new building, uh, then you know that has a real cost to it. In our country, uh, many times we get the, the city to pay for it, and not the owners, which really leaves a bad taste in the taxpayers' mouth. I'm not sure exactly how you do that in Europe. Uh, you you would have to uh, kind of clear that up, the finances of it. But yeah, it's something they made a mistake. Uh, they overspent in a certain area, and they can't afford this, you know, Michael Jordan type player uh, to play soccer for them anymore.
0: Yeah, that's funny you said that because while well, Messi was getting paid 80 million uh, euros per season, which is outrageous, right? For one guy, imagine. And I was talking to one of the largest European soccer teams who said to me that over 80% of their um, uh, expenses, the cost was from the salaries. 80, over 80%, right? Right, right. So uh, I think it just put the teams in the very tough situations especially when there's no, no revenue coming from the ticket sales, right? Everything just falls apart. Right? Exactly, exactly. And that, that's what
1: we had the problem with here too. In particular, our sport of the uh, NHL is uh, the hockey is really uh, to wish, is driven by ticket sales. And we didn't have that. Uh, and then we didn't have it uh, more of a downscale of it. So we didn't have it at all. In, at the end of nineteen twenty, then we didn't. Then we had only partial in twenty twenty one, and then here we sit. So, yeah, it's uh, it's tough, but you've got to build that into your to your budget.
0: Yeah, but on the other hand, you you see teams like PSG who literally bought you know they bought uh, Ramos from Real Madrid pretty much for free. Uh, they got uh, Leo Messi. I mean, they they spend a good chunk of money, but you know when it's a team owned by a country like Qatar you know, they always find ways to, to, to find money somewhere. Yeah. So I, I guess they're always accepting. Yeah, place. I would assume they get
1: it from the taxpayers. <laughs> from
0: yeah, right, yeah.
1: As opposed yeah. to the owner's pocket. So that's yeah. uh, very interesting, and you're certainly more knowledgeable about that topic than I
0: am. Okay. Um, well, going back to PSG, right, one of the big interesting thing about the trade and him coming to PSG is that part of his salary, he got paid in token. There was a lot of noise about it. I think it's almost like it's too much hype. I don't think it's it's um, a big big okay. deal as much as people think. But yeah,
1: well, let me ask yeah. you a question. What what is your definition of token? It's it, 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 are you talking like Bitcoin? Yeah, sort of. Yep, yeah, exactly. Okay, so we've had that happen in the United States, um, not paying players per se, but we uh, saw that the San Jose Sharks in the uh, NHL hockey let their season ticket holders pay off their thousands and thousands of dollars of season tickets in bitcoin. That oh was that was that was groundbreaking. That that had never happened in any other of the four major sports that I've heard of. And
0: when was that?
1: When was that? That was that was, a, uh, that was in the spring. So that was in like uh mm-hmm. May, June of this year for the new season for 2122, they offered bitcoin. Now, of course, you yep. know, that part that part in particular is very progressive in the United States, uh, that's where Silicon Valley, where all the technology really comes from in the United States. So I'm not surprised that that was the area that, that it happened in in California. So what does that mean? Uh, when I interviewed some presidents in the league, I said, are you going to follow suit in the NBA and, and they said, no, what we'd like to do right now is just take their money, you know, their sponsorship money and let them sponsor, you know, signs for an arena and then signs for television uh, that, you know, Bitcoin and things of that nature. But we're not comfortable enough taking that as revenue. Uh, we're still going to stay
0: with the American dollar. So that's what they did. That makes sense. Uh, I mean, that's understandable. But it's you know, Bitcoin is highly speculative too, right? The value could go I, up and down, so. I think so. I, I don't have any Bitcoin. I, I, I,
1: maybe I'm just uh, too old to really understand it as well as some other people, but I'll, I'll just take regular U.S. dollars or Euros.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't have any Bitcoin either, uh, so don't feel too bad about it. Okay. Um, so going back to PSG, run right of their big star player, uh, Kylian Mbappe, right from France, already made it clear that he doesn't want to renew with Paris Saint-Germain. And and that next year, right, uh, it would go for free. It would leave for free. And Real Madrid uh-huh. just made an offer of 160 million euros. And so, you know, if you were in PSG's shoes, assuming that Real Madrid increases the offer, I'm thinking probably around like 180 million euros. Uh-huh. Would you let Mbappe go now or keep him this year in the hope of winning the Champions League next year? Or, I mean, is it, is it just a matter of do you want to make some profit on him now, or do you, yeah. you let him go for free next year? Yeah.
1: This happens all the time in baseball where a player's coming up on free agency and uh, the, the team knows that they're not going to be able to sign him. So what they do is they trade him for prospects so that they at least yeah. get something for him and don't get stuck, you know, holding the bag. I would dump him now.
0: You won't dump I mean, okay. I mean, they've got Messi and they've got yeah. Neymar. So they're, yeah. they're pretty well, they've got a pretty good team anyway.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Fine, yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I I would get what I can get for him now, and uh, and look at the big picture. You know, uh,
0: later on, I'll be glad I at least I got something. Yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, you know, recently I was uh, visiting and meeting an NBA team. Uh, I just won't say which ones, but basically, they, they you know, the conversation was that you know they believe that the NBA could allow the use wearables in the near future, mm-hmm. uh, and so if betting becomes part of the story. Uh, as it would become a new revenue stream for the NBA, and especially uh-huh. the NBA Player Association, because the NBA Player Association have always been against uh, allowing the user wearables because they were afraid that the teams would negotiate the contracts if they see that the player is not in, 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 you know, in good health, right? But now, uh-huh. with, with betting, uh, this NBA executive said, you know what, it, this is going to change, because as soon as they're going to realize that if they can get a cut of that betting revenue, they'll jump on it. Right. So. Do you believe that? Or?
1: So when you say wearable, that means some sort of device that they put on their body that, that makes an indicator of how healthy they are?
0: Yeah. So you can track your steps. You can track your, your sleep. You can track a bunch of data, right, about your your health, basically. Like an Apple Watch. Think of an Apple Watch, right?
1: Yeah. So right. Um, I think, yeah, I think one day they'll probably do that. But I, I would hope they would do it just for the uh, the training of it and, and then keeping their players healthy and, and they do they that want, right yeah, yeah, and if they Did want, want allow, to allow, they want to allow someone to. The more that the fans can feel connected to the players, whether it's an autograph session, wh- whether it's a meet and greet, whether it's uh, this whole thing with being a general manager online with uh, fantasy sports, you know, where that you you have a drafting and things. The more they feel internalized about knowing that player, whether it's on TikTok or it's on yeah. uh, Snapchat or it's on any social media platform, I think it, it causes us to be more aware of the games, want to watch the games, want to buy tickets to the games. Like all that stuff is great, uh, you know. Provided it they don't post something that's uh, socially uh, irresponsible on uh, social media, I think that's good. And and, and, I, and I think this is just another vehicle for that. Now, as far as betting is concerned, uh, it is no question it has helped the value of all the four major sports in the United States. Uh, unfortunately, uh, gambling similar to alcohol and drugs and nicotine and smoking, like all that stuff, that addictive behavior, Is really uh, it can ruin families, and uh, they make it very enticing for you to do that first bet, where they Mm -hmm. you almost get a guaranteed win, uh, and then you start thinking you know something you don't you don't really know about sports. I've had friends call me and say, "Hey, Ron, what do you think about this game or that game?" I'm like, "I I, please don't ask me. I'm not. Don't ever (laughs) bet on any. Don't bet on any advice I give you because if I really really knew, I would bet it." (laughs) So I don't gamble either. I don't do it. And, and I, I'm just afraid it's a little bit of addictive behavior. They get these people hooked and, you know, it, 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 they always end up with, hey, Gambler's Anonymous. But, yeah, it, it's definitely another way to connect with the players and the fans and the coaches and the fans. And, yeah, it's here to stay. And, and there's a real uh, profit in it for uh, all the four major teams. They call yeah. it an, an integrity fee. Uh, they're trying to get – uh, when I say they, the NBA in particular, they asked uh, for 1% of the proceeds. And uh, the different casinos said, no, we're not doing that. Then they said, how about one-tenth of 1%? And they said, no. No, mm-hmm. and they wanted, They wanted to call it integrity. Like, we don't need your cooperation, NBA, for us to bet on your event. And okay. this whole in-game betting you're talking about, like, yeah. that's exploding. Like, to be able to bet at halftime or but whenever you hear someone say i've i've got a method or i have a formula on how to do this how to gamble that's when they need to go see gamblers anonymous
0: you know because
1: there is the angles the the angles the 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 trends like these are all terms that uh, people give advice to about betting
0: but in that case right if you if if you know steph curry right He's wearing a, a watch, a smart watch, and you can tell that he's getting fatigued. Uh-huh. That's big news. That's big news not only for the gambler, right? But also that's big news for the coaches too. Because yeah, then they say, so. you know what? He's getting tired. Let me, let's take him out of the game for now. Right. right. He needs to rest. So that's, yeah. there's a lot of implications there as far as using the wearables in live yes. games. Yes, there is. So, um, but that, that's why I think it's super interesting beyond just gambling, but just in general, right? Um, Uh, obviously, yeah. But but your
1: but your original point, gambling has made the fans more interesting. Just like, uh, you know, the betting just just like being a general manager and having drafts and keeping track of player statistics. Like this is just another variable of that, and it will it will definitely help the interest in the sports.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was talking to you know Bet MGM, a big betting company Mm -hmm. in New Jersey, and. I think they were. When I mentioned that, why don't you guys use the wearable, te- you know, wearable data? They were like, of course, they were interested because that's uh-huh. where the, the industry is going anyway. So uh-huh. uh, that's, that, that makes sense. Um, so, I, you do. know, uh, yeah. So, another question is obviously, we are in the preseason of the NFL, right? A lot of the teams are getting ready. Obviously, Tom Brady, right, was not getting any younger, pretty uh-huh. much already said, you know, I want to play. I'm always going to play if I feel like I'm going to win, right? Uh-huh. And you can make the same argument with with uh, Serena Williams, who, by the way, happened to put out of the U.S. Open tennis tournament just right. this week. Uh-huh. So do you think that Tom Brady can repeat? And do you think that Serena Williams still has one more major in her? Like she can still win?
1: I think that uh, he's been around long enough that we should know not to bet against Tom Brady. Uh uh-huh. And I do realize that there's an old saying in the United States that, uh, f- the only person that's undefeated is father time yeah. and father, father time is undefeated. So father time will catch him eventually, but he shows no signs of slowing down. Um, but I would step back, kind of zoom back here and, and look at what they did with the roster. Uh, they have, they've retained all 22 starters, you know, yeah. so all the 11 starters on offense, all the 11 starters on defense are are still on the team. And uh, next year, the salary cap explodes in the NFL for the 22 yeah. season. They may be able to do it again. So uh, I think they have a chance of uh, coming out of the NFC, and they're going to probably have to play the Chiefs again or somebody pretty good in the AFC. So I, I would say the chances of them repeating are uh, less than half. But the fact that we're even talking about if it's possible, uh, you know, I, I would not bet against them.
0: And do you think the the Patriots uh, are going to do better this year,
1: the Pats? I think the Pats will do better uh, this year. There is some concern that uh, Cam Newton has not had the vaccination. And for some reason, he, he doesn't want to get it. And he yeah. did have COVID last year, if I'm correct, in the, in the fall of 2020. Uh, they have a young quarterback from Alabama who they took, I think, 15 overall. Uh, he's playing well in the preseason. So, yes, I do think the second year not having Tom Brady, they've made adjustments. Uh, And what people don't remember is uh, they had a lot of guys opt out last year that were really good players that just chose not to play because of uh, COVID, which is certainly their choice. So, yeah, yeah, I think I think uh, what were they, seven and nine last year? Uh, I I believe they will be over over uh, eight. uh, They're playing 17 games this year. So I, I believe they will have eight or nine wins this
0: year. I'll I tell you a story. This week, I was talking to the founder of a startup who used to be part of the Patriots organization. He was working uh-huh. for the Patriots, Bill Belichick. Uh-huh. And he told me a story. He basically said, when we had meetings and we were talking about technology, Belichick was always the, the, the one to say, oh, I'm not interested in this. He would, uh-huh. Everybody would get excited, all the coaches. Uh-huh. And then he would be the one saying, I don't think it's super interesting. So I just thought it was kind of ironic because of a whole, the, the spy gate controversy when they were using technology, I guess it was too interesting that. So but I'm just thinking. yeah, Yeah. Well, I don't think,
1: Oh yeah. The spy gate, uh, yes. different than deflate gate. Uh, the fly the spy gate was, they had, they just had a camera allegedly yeah. looking at the Eagles, uh, practices, which is, you know, deplorable. And, yeah. um, that is definitely cheating. So, uh, yeah, that I don't know if I'd call that technology. VHSs were around for a really long time before that. So, so um, yeah, that that I wouldn't say Bill was on the cutting edge of uh video. So, yes. yeah, that was, that was just full blown cheating. So that was unfortunate.
0: Okay, and and going back to my question on Serena Williams, do you think that she can still win another major? I mean, she was very close. I mean, she I made, think- she had a- I would think most people would
1: say she probably is the greatest tennis player of all time. Yeah. Uh, does she have the most major wins of the four? She has the most, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do I think she can rev it up one more time and win one of those four majors? Uh, yes, I do.
0: Okay. Uh, I think she uh, – I, I believe she's actually tied with an uh, all-time uh, great tennis player for like decades ago right? And I think she needs one more win to... Um, was that, was uh, that know, Billie Jean her, King? Basically. Which, uh, which no, player? Somebody you know, which players? Players, like, I, don't, I don't remember. Uh, it was a long time ago. Steffi yeah. Graf was pretty great. She's pretty high on the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there wasn't Steffi Graf. I mean, Steffi Graf doesn't have anywhere close to how many you know, Grand Slam that Serena has. Um, yeah. So, uh, I think it's... Uh, I think she's still great, and she can still win, but it's going to be very tough because the young players are very good. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. my, my last questions about Djokovic, because Djokovic, as you know, now he's tied with 20 slams. He's tied with Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. And, right. you know, those guys are getting old, but he's still pretty young. So yes. do you think he can win the U.S. Open tennis starting on August 30th? and but more importantly do you think he can beat them i think he can i think it's you know he's still fairly young and he's going to go and be the all-time great in terms of the number of slams but i don't think he's, he's going to be the all-time the greatest
1: out there right of those three you mentioned he certainly seems to be the healthiest doesn't he and uh yeah. and, and and i and i do think he can uh definitely win another major i, I it's just so unbelievable that those three dominated like a fifteen, sixteen, seventeen year period of time in tennis. Yeah. And all three of them are so high up, like no other guy got in there pretty much and, and won yeah. any of those majors. They cleaned up all That's four right. majors every year for like a fifteen year group of time. And uh that that will never we may never see that in tennis again. That that dominant guys. That, that was astonishing. We've never seen it before, and I don't know if we'll ever see it again.
0: No, I think you're right. Even when John McEnroe was playing, it was nowhere close to the number of slams that they got. It was great, but it was nowhere close well, to you,
1: Yeah, you had Boris Becker, you had Andre yeah. Agassi, you had uh, Pete Sampras. Sampras, you had Boris Becker yeah, before that. Jim Courier,
0: yeah, yeah and good.
1: then you had, yeah, you had John McEnroe. his brother was Pat, they played doubles, and then you had Jimmy Connors. Like that, all they all kind of evolved out of each other, but never these three, like for this 17 year period of
0: time. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Uh, well, look, we're at the end of the, the podcast interview, so I want to thank you again for your time. Always a pleasure. Always so, my uh, pleasure,
1: Julian, and uh, I appreciate it, and uh, it was a lot of fun.
0: Right. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah.